Welcome to another episode of the Double Comma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So today we are talking about when does it make sense to buy down the rate? Because rates are going up. Like, I don't know, maybe you... (laughs) If you were sleeping under a rock, because that's what's been happening. The rates have been going up, and all of a sudden there's a fear, how high will they go? The 10-year is getting really close to 2%, and the CPI numbers come out tomorrow. So there's little risk that the rates could get worse. Now, if the CPI comes in lower than expected, we could actually see a nice little dip in rates. But are you willing to take the chance if you've got a loan in processing right now and you're under contract. We locked, well, most of our pipeline's been locked the moment it goes under contract, but we certainly locked a bunch of people yesterday and today because we don't know. Expectations is a CPI is gonna come in over seven. What degree over seven? And remember I talked about this. When we start to see the February numbers released in March, we're gonna start to see that the PCE, we're gonna start to see the PCE, which is the Fed's measure of inflation, as well as the CPI, which is the consumer's measure of inflation. We're gonna start to see those hit the top and then start to level out. Because if I compare 2022 numbers to 2021 numbers, when inflation was going up, that comparison is smaller. If I compare high numbers to high numbers, high doesn't feel as high anymore, right? So with rates going up, the conversation is, should I buy the rate down? Like my head liked 2.99 and 3.125 and 3.3, and now you're telling me 3.625 or 3.75, or we might even be getting above four. I don't like it. So that's where you go. That's what you know. So you just don't like it because we were ridiculously spoiled for the last two years. I mean, let's just call it what it was, right? I mean, rates had hit 5% in 2018 coming into 2019. So to see 2.625, half of what it was in 2018, that's not normal. It's not normal. So to get my hooks in on 2.625 and not want to let go, regretfully, is not only irrational, but it's going to cost you a lot of money sitting on the sidelines while interest rates and home prices go up. So what are my options? That's what I want to talk about today. So if I see interest rates going up, what options do I have to maybe offset what is going to start affecting affordability. Higher interest rates will start affecting affordability. The entire ride down, we kept talking about the fact that affordability was offset by these lower interest rates, even though home prices were going up. Well, that's no longer the case. Those lower interest rates with higher purchase prices did help to offset each other, but now you have rising interest rates and still rising home prices. So to say that affordability is gonna become a problem is true. The question is, is will people stop buying homes? I literally just got off the phone with a realtor and a friend of mine who is doing a flip right now. Um, and if you're watching, yeah, Jeff was talking about the fact that his home is going to go on the market in 10 days. And should he be worried with rates going up? There will still be buyers. We will start to see migration due to affordability. 
We will see some people leave Denver and head to Kansas City or Tulsa, where they have $10,000 if you buy a house there or sign a one-year lease. So we're going to see that migration. We're also going to see migration coming into Colorado. We've had continued net population gain for decades. We are the place to go to school, to raise children, to retire. We have the mountains and we have the recreation. And today we have industry, right? Today we have technology and financial services and all of the industries offsetting just oil and gas, which is a position that we were in the last time we saw housing go down. So today we have all of this pull into the Denver market, which will continue to provide buyers at no matter what the rate is. Now, rates will affect some people. It just will. And some buyers will choose to bow out or move. And so we could see some demand slow down, allowing inventory to come back up. And it's not going to be a balanced market. Let's just not kid ourselves. The Denver market will never be a balanced market. It will just be less of a seller's market. And so to see that gives some reprieve for the buyers who are anxiously trying to get something under contract. But what if I'm a buyer and today at 3.625 or 3.75 or 4% or four and a quarter where interest rates go, all of a sudden I can't afford the home that I had my eye on, right? I got qualified with a lender, hopefully me. <laughs> I got qualified with a lender and they told me I could qualify up to a $500,000 purchase price with 10% down, so $450,000 loan amount. And I, I feel good about that. I found some homes that I like in that price point. I'm just waiting for the right home in the right neighborhood to show up. So the story goes. So all of a sudden, the rates start creeping up even higher. And so now that $450,000 loan amount might be getting tougher to qualify for. So that's what I want to talk about today is how do I take advantage of, well, take advantage, take advantage of strategy. Let's just say it that way. How do I optimize the opportunities that are available to me given the lending environment to qualify for more? Whether it's that original, <laughs> that original qualification before interest rates went up, or maybe it's even more than that because I happen to find a house that I really love, not at 500, but at 550, because that's the way things go. And so now I need a little bit more of a loan amount. No surprise there. So I just wanted to throw out some numbers. These are not end all numbers. They are not specific to a specific person. I just ran up a rate sheet. Uh, in fact, Eric Long, my sales manager, helped me out this morning, um, running some numbers as far as what options could you choose from? And that's really all I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about a specific solution, but if your lender or you, if you have not explored, fully explored all the options to continue to raise what your available loan amounts and, and uh, monthly payments are, well, then you might put yourself in the back seat when coming up against other competitive bids because you're going to be afraid to inch up that little more or to provide that earnest money guarantee that we do if you keep pushing that loan amount. And I want to layer on all the things, right? Let's just be 100% clear. I want to give you all the things. I want to give you all the options 
And then I want to layer on all the stuff that goes on top of that, right? The earnest money guarantee and the appraisal waiver or the appraisal insurance, the quick closings, you know, eight to 10 days, having you fully pre-approved or even fully approved so that you can go in and look like cash. I want to layer on all the things to get you under contract. But let's just talk about some options. Okay, so what if I was looking at a $450,000 loan amount and today maybe I quoted you 3.625? right and there's aprs and like i'm not going for a specific rate and i'm not even talking about a specific credit score or situation i just want to do a comparison of numbers so if say today the rate was 3.625 on a four hundred fifty thousand dollar loan amount that monthly payment the pi just the principal and interest now be clear about this the entire payment is a pi tia what does that mean i want to explain that really quickly because sometimes those things are outside a lender's control. So PI is the principal and interest. That's the mortgage payment that I as the lender work with. Then there's the TI, the property taxes. And here's a lesson that's always learned the hard way is that property taxes go up every give or take two years, right? The county wants their money. <laughs> Home prices have been going up and they want their share. So they're gonna sweep through and they're gonna reevaluate. So you might buy that house and they might be in a two year cycle. So that very next year, they're gonna swing by and they're gonna up your appraised value. Now, when you purchase a home, that value is recorded with the county. So they're gonna up your taxes right then and there the next year. So if you bought a home that last sold for say 300,000 a handful of years ago, and now you just purchased it for 500,000, your property taxes will go up from what the county has listed today. And that'll happen the following year. Just wanted to throw that out there because property taxes uh, can be a big surprise, especially if you're buying a flip or a new construction. That's also a conversation to have. Then the I, it's insurance. The P-I-T-I, so principal and interest taxes and insurance. So the insurance is your homeowner's insurance. It's not something I added to the loan. It's something you choose. Now I'm gonna require you have it, although you can escrow it yourself, meaning you save your money and you pay your own homeowner's insurance every year, or you can roll it into the monthly payment called an escrow. So that homeowner's insurance is something that you go and search out your best insurance agent, which we have a preferred agent as part of our team who we adore. But if you have a different agent, that annual premium divided by 12 is your monthly premium. And then you also have the A, which is homeowners association, as well as mortgage insurance, if you have it. It was really important to me to make sure that that was spelled out so that you know the whole thing that I'm not talking about all of that. I'm talking about just the PI. So the PI on a $450,000 loan amount at 3.625 is $2,052. Okay. So maybe that's your par rate today. Maybe that doesn't cost you anything. You don't get any money back. You don't get a lender credit. You don't pay any points. So when does it make sense to buy down? So let's just look at the rate spread as it was last night. Rates had expired uh, when we ran this this morning. So I could buy down that rate to say 3.375 as an example for one point, right? And if I did it for one point, what does that mean? So a lot of people talk in points. So one point, if I buy it down, is 1% of the loan amount. So 1% of the loan amount. In this case, 
the loan amount, remember, was four hundred fifty thousand. As a purchase price of five hundred thousand, I put ten percent down. My loan amount was four hundred fifty. One percent of that is forty five hundred dollars. You don't have to buy in points like at one or two or three points. You can buy a quarter point, point three points. You can buy point six five points. It depends on what the rate spread is, and all of this is based on the secondary market, right? So your lender has this. The lender. Every lender is operating off of the same treasury yields, and then they have a secondary market that provides this breakdown that says this is the price at all the rates. So if I get really like emotional around this, right, and I don't want a 3.625 because it's high, and I just got spoiled for the last two years. Forget about the decades before that. The last two years have absolutely corrupted my thinking, and now I don't want 3.625 as I stop my feet. I'm just saying, because you gotta have fun with this. So if, if I don't want 3.625, I'm gonna buy down the rate to 3.375 at the cost of 1%. So let's go over the math on that because it might fill your emotional cup. It is not gonna satisfy your financial cup. So 1%, $4,500, I just saved $63, my monthly PI for 3.375 is $1989 on a $450,000 loan amount. So the difference between 2052 and 1989 is $63. So I saved my pocket $63 a month for that sexy rate of 3.375. Now, that sexy rate cost me $4,500 at the closing table. If I take that $4,500 and I divide it by the $63 a month in savings, it has a payback period of almost six years, 71 months. Am I gonna live in that house for 71 months? Is there something I could do better with the 4,500? And if you're an investor at all, I guarantee you, you can make more money than 3.625% rate of return. At least I hope you can, especially in this market, right? Some people are losing money. It's a crazy market right now. If you can make a higher rate of return than 3.625, you should take that $4,500 and invest it elsewhere, not in buying down the rate. That $63, though, might make the difference between you qualifying and not qualifying. Because maybe you originally qualified when the rates were 3.375, and now at 3.625, I no longer qualify. So I need to buy that rate down. That's plausible, right? That's plausible. This $4,500 is going to be the difference between you qualifying and not qualifying. And that $4,500 just paying down the balance does not give you the same bang for the buck. For about every $10,000 you pay down your mortgage, it saves you about $50 a month. So as you can see, if I just put the $4,500 into my principal, I might shave off, and I didn't write this number down, but I might shave off somewhere around $25 a month, right? It's not going to be the $63, and that, that's not exact. But as you can see, it's this buying down the rate is going to give me a better advantage of affording more. But then here's the alternative. What if I took that $4,500 and I went over to my credit report and I looked at what is the debt that has a monthly payment of $63 or more for the least amount of balance? 
So a lot of people get caught up on a fact of, well, I need to pay off the thing that has the biggest balance, or I need to pay off the thing that has the lowest balance. When they're looking at optimizing their credit report to be able to afford more of a loan. Because if I have $4,500 that I could play with and either buy a point down or do a principal reduction or pay off a debt. So I'm going to look at what's the biggest bang for my buck. So we always look at what's the lowest balance with the highest payment. And it might not be the very lowest balance and it might, might, might not be the very highest payment. It's going to be the combination. What is the lowest balance, so the least amount of cash out of your pocket, for the highest monthly payment bang for the buck? So maybe you have a credit card that you pay off every single month. And the balance on that credit card is, we'll say it's $4,000. And the monthly payment on that is $70. But you pay it off every month anyway. And you're telling me, hey, I pay that off every month. I don't know why it's causing a problem. Well, credit reports don't work. <laughs> they don't work in my timing, right? They just don't. So when I pull a credit report, I see whatever it is that those uh, vendors, creditors, that those creditors reported to the credit bureaus. So if I have an Amex card or a City card or a Macy's card, they report to the bureaus your balance once a month. And it's never right after you pay. Ever, ever, ever. It's somewhere mid-month. And you can call your creditors, in fact, and you can ask them, when do you report to the credit bureaus? Because that might be the day after that you want to apply for the loan. Or we could pay down the balance, do a credit rescore, get your score to pop up, get your monthly payments to come down. Or I can actually show a payoff statement so that maybe it's a Macy's card. You went on a shopping spree, lovely time to get all new shoes. You went and got $4,000 of new shoes. I need to be your friend. So you stocked up your closet, you have 4,000. You're planning on paying it off anyway. Well, we're just gonna have you pay it off sooner Right? So we're going to have you bring that payoff to the closing table and we're going to pay your Macy's card for you because maybe that payment isn't due until a week after you close. So we'll go ahead and pay to the closing table. That way we get to zero out the balance and the monthly payment on that Macy's card. So that's another way that you can use the money that you have instead of buying down points to get you a bigger bang and you are going to pay off that Macy's card anyway. And realistically, buying down the points and paying a fee to the lender, not money in your own pocket, for $63 a month maybe doesn't make sense. The other thing that you can look at is your mortgage insurance bucket. So in this case, I was putting 10% down. So with 10% down, theoretically, you'd have mortgage insurance. Now you can get a loan without mortgage insurance, especially in jumbos. You can pay a one-time mortgage insurance or you can do a split MI. And all of those are options to manage your monthly payment to get you to qualify for more. So a one-time mortgage payment would be taking all of the mortgage payments, monthly payments, and paying it all up front. And the mortgage companies have a different way of calculating that. Each one's a slightly different and they'll come up with slightly different amount for that one-time mortgage insurance. So we'll look at all of them and we'll make sure we get you the lowest one. But say your mortgage insurance on this particular situation was $63 a month, which is kind of interesting. That just happened that way. So <laughs> your monthly mortgage insurance is $63.75, putting 10% down on a 500 purchase price, 450 loan amount. My monthly mortgage insurance would be $63.75. 
I can do a one-time mortgage insurance payment, wipe out the mortgage insurance for $3,330. Well, that's less than the $4,500. So I'm going to do that versus buying the rate down, depending on how long you're going to be in the home. Now, if you're going to be in the home longer than seven years, maybe buying the rate down has a longer payback or has more rewards after the seven years, especially in a rising appreciating market. I might be a little hesitant to pay the mortgage insurance up front when I know home prices are continuing to go up and after two years you can do an appraisal and you can get rid of that monthly mortgage insurance. So then it's a, it's a question of, well, $63.75 times 24, how close is that to the $3,330? And you start to weigh your options. Does it make sense just to go ahead and pay it up front, qualify for more, even though maybe I'm laying some money on the table? I'm talking about options. I'm talking about the fact that the going in assumption that buying down the rate when emotionally you're tied to a specific rate may or may not be your best option. Sitting down and talking with somebody and really going through your numbers and understanding how all of this comes together for your specific scenario to help you qualify for more of a house in this highly competitive market is all about game on. It's all about helping you secure your financial stability through real estate. Because we know rents are going to continue to go up. We know home prices are going to continue to go up. And even though interest rates might come back down, depending on the level to which we have an economic slowdown with everything the Fed is doing, we know overall interest rates are going to continue to go up. So what's the best solution? There isn't one. It's all about your solution. Give us a call. Let's go through your numbers. I hope this helped kind of open up the kimono and how we look at loans, what options you have available to you, how you afford the most possible given this competitive situation and get you on the road to home ownership. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. Nicole Ruth, I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe. Thank you.